0: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Skylight Books podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Justin Reamer, Uh, and we're very excited today to be discussing the book Bong Joon-ho, Dissident Cinema, with the author, uh, culture writer and screenwriter, and the inventor of the phrase Bong Hive, (laughs) uh, Karen Han. Uh, Welcome, Karen. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan of Skylight, so it's an honor to come on the podcast
0: i'll say the the folks that buy books at our store love love the books so oh that's
1: it's, wonderful uh, to hear yeah
0: um <laughs> uh, yeah i just uh i just finished it and it gave me a good excuse to fill in my gaps in the filmography because mm-hmm. i had i had never seen mother and i was mm. like well before you spoil it i should i should see mother so then i <laughs> i did uh and it was it was astonishing. Obviously, uh, so for listeners, obviously, uh, Bong Jun ho is, is best known as the Oscar winning filmmaker of Parasite, which was the first non-English language film to win Best Picture uh, at the Academy Awards. Um, I guess the best place to start uh, would be, so where did you first come into contact with Bong? What was your first film? How old were mm-hmm. you? Like, what 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 was it?
1: Um, so my first, uh, bong movie was, uh, the host and I think I saw it either within the year that it came out or the year after, um, on DVD. Uh, my dad Mm -hmm. was a huge cinephile and would show me a lot of movies, um, just in general, like sometimes I think too early for me to be watching them. Like I remember, like my first memory of watching a movie is of Amadeus and it was so traumatizing to me because that movie opens with Salieri like trying to commit suicide. And as a child, I was like, oh no, I don't understand. Like what's going on right now? Um, But the host, luckily, like I was already a teenager at that point, so I was kind of in the prime spot, I think to see that movie because it, yeah. it just works on so many levels like it works as this like action monster movie but also it has this incredible like family dynamic going on uh i mean i'm sure we'll get into his movies a little more but that was my introduction to bong and i think like that movie still has a very special place in my heart because of that
0: oh cool yeah i feel i feel like for me it was the same like mm-hmm. i was introduced by the host and it was it was like you've got to see it it's not like any monster movie yeah. you've seen. And it was kind of like left at that, but then you're like, "Oh, it's not like any monster movie because there's a lot more going on."
1: Right. Like, yeah.
0: Like it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just like genre thrills or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what What was your uh, initial impressions of Bong, and like, how did it develop as you saw more of his films? Um, mm-hmm. To to the point that because you you state that he's your your favorite filmmaker, so how did that <laughs> how did you come to that?
1: Well. I tend to like movies, for better or worse, that are trying to do a lot. Like, my friends, like, roast me a lot because some of the movies that I tend to like are, like, not... Critically, that well received. Like I really loved uh, Gore Verbinski's *A Cure for Wellness*. I really loved the movie, like *Mortal Engines*, that came out several years ago. Like precisely, <laughs> like not necessarily because I think they're they hit the mark, but because they're yeah. very ambitious and trying to do a lot. And I think Bong Joon Ho is a, an example of a filmmaker who has really big ideas for his movies and manages to pull them off. Like it's sort of like what we were saying about the host. Like it has a monster movie level, but at the same time. Like it mostly the monster is kind of incidental to the rest of the movie, despite being kind of like the main thing that people think of when they think about that movie, because it's about Mm. like, again, this family and then these various like social strata of people helping each other. Like the idea of all of us who are, quote-unquote like considered like weak by society like having to band together in order to effect change because the larger systems that we live in like aren't necessarily going to help us to the degree that we want it's a commentary like politically both on like the korean government and the american military presence in korea and then also like a little bit the iraq war like there's so much going on it's so ambitious and yet it lands every single one of those points pretty perfectly and i think like all of his movies kind of do that Um, And the only exception, I would say, is probably Mother. Like, that's the movie that has, I think it's the least layered, but that isn't to say it's Mm -hmm. the least complex. Like, it's just because that is the rare one of his movies that really only has one lead as opposed to being an ensemble picture and, like, laser focuses in on that. Um, That said, like, again, his movies kind of just keep exploring these themes to greater and richer results. So the more that I familiarize the more that I familiarized myself with his work after the host, the more I like appreciated what he was doing and the bigger fan that I became of his work.
0: Yeah. Cause I, th- I think that when I had only seen a few movies, mm-hmm. it like my sense of him was, was just that like, Oh, he's the guy that kind of plots differently and like, <laughs> like kind of surprises you in that way. But then like when you watch, when you really watch it all, cause you- cause your film talks about all seven feature films uh, plus shorts, music videos, and mm-hmm. uh, some other stuff. But um, um, th- then you see like the bigger themes, like the capital T themes, yeah. like uh, about like the the divide and class and and capitalism and what it does to people. Because because uh, as you were saying in in the host, like uh, the people that are sort of the, with that, the have nots, mm-hmm. uh, band together. But in other films like parasites, they, uh, fight amongst themselves yeah, to yeah. no one, to no one's betterment. Um, mm-hmm. and also, yeah. So, so what you were saying about mother too, like, cause it's the freshest in my mind. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it has this sort of like most seemingly straight ahead thriller plot, mm-hmm. but, but, like, the way that you think of the mother, like, change, like, like initially I was so, uh, like, she's not my mother. But, like, she has <laughs> such, such a, like, a, oh, that's a mother energy. Yeah. That, like, I was, like, I was, like, heavy cringing in the beginning. And I was just, like, oh, just let your son give him, oh, just... But then like when her her son gets uh, um, put in prison for murder, and like like she starts to change and like like her soul, I guess, for lack of a better word starts to change. And I was like, okay, all right, we needed to go from here to here to sort of mm-hmm. like understand that. Um, but like but like that that, um, you sort of say that it's hard to to rank his films apart from maybe putting barking dogs don't bite at the bottom just because it's sort of like the one that even he's like, don't see it. It's so funny that he
1: doesn't like it, though, because, like, I watched it again recently with a crowd, and it plays pretty gangbusters. Like, people were laughing through the whole thing. It's still pretty good. It's just that I guess he is a little embarrassed of it because it's an early work.
0: But I was going to say, so for personally, just because of that character journey, I think that that Mother lands pretty high in my estimation of his films. So, yeah. Um, So... As far as like how you tackled mm-hmm. the book, um, cause, cause there's a whole series of the, the little, the yes, little yeah. white lies Abrams books, um, that are on different filmmakers and they're not necessarily all like chronological, mm-hmm. but you take, you take the feature films and chronological, but then you also in between each sort of find a cinematic mm-hmm. influence to discuss as well. Um, how did you sort of figure on that approach?
1: Um, I wondered whether or not I should do it chronologically just cause like I'm, I'm friendly with Adam Naiman, the wonderful uh, author of many of the other Abrams and little white lies collaborations. Um, and he, some of his books, like he's done the movies out of order or out of chronological order rather, and kind of grouped them more closely by theme. Uh, but when thinking about the mm-hmm. overall kind of arch of uh, Bong Jun hos work, I, you can kind of like map out an arc I think as you're watching the movies in chronological order of like what interests him what he's trying to do and a kind of increasing comfort with the kinds of things he's doing in terms of playing with genre and style and also how much or to what extent he's exploring certain themes. So that I decided on pretty quickly, like just cause like you have to start writing the book pretty quickly and get in the deadlines. Right. Um, as, a po- as for the uh, influence spreads that you're talking about, um, those came a little bit later and I built those mostly by seeing like what movies he would repeatedly talk about in interviews. Like sometimes he you, you just mm-hmm. gets asked like, what, what are movies have you seen this year? Or ask, being asked to participate in lists of like top 10 movies of the 20th century or my top 10 movies of all time and seeing what came up again and again. And once I had a sort of preliminary list of those movies, I tried to go through and see like which ones I could say tied thematically to the movies that I was talking about some of them are pretty obvious, like Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho connecting to Mother um, and then uh, the the housemaid relating to Parasite. Some of the other chapters, it was more kind of me digging for more broadly like thematic things. Like, for instance, uh, one of the movies that I talk about is like M. Night Shyamalan's um, Signs, which is not something I think you would necessarily directly tie mm-hmm. in the way that you might with Psycho. Um, But all of these movies, like, he loves to talk about himself as a student of film, and I think that's kind of how I ended up approaching it. Like, these are the artists that he admires. Like, what are those directors doing that he finds so special, and how does that relate to the work that he's doing?
0: Uh, It's funny that you mentioned Signs, because I think when that one came up, I was like, (laughs) huh. But then when I read read what you wrote, I was like, okay, (laughs) yeah, 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 totally, totally. Um, We're... (sighs) This, this might be kind of silly, but like, is there one of the movies that was, like, the most fun to tackle? Like, to, the most fun to break down?
1: Hmm, or... I think one one chapter that sort of stood out to me was Snowpiercer, um, because going into writing the book, that was the one of his movies that I was kind of the most lukewarm about. Like, I remember when I saw it when it first came out, I was like, well, okay. <laughs> um, but then revisiting it for this book and thinking about it in the scope of his work, as, as in, like, what movies preceded it and then what came after it it made a lot more sense to me I think um, and I also in watching the movie again for the book like took notice of a lot of details that I had kind of missed the first time around like a lot of the humor I think was lost on me the first time much to my chagrin um, <laughs> but yeah revisiting it through this I could see like what else was going on with it and also um, especially with stuff like uh, the translation aspect which comes up kind of again and again in his work where it comes up in Okja where like a really crucial plot twist happens because of a mistranslation and then even in Parasite where these characters use English as a sort of status symbol like the fact that they know they understand or are fluent in English is proving that they are of some pedigree so a lot of the, theme- the themes that come up again and again like once I could sort of parse them out better in Snowpiercer I appreciated it more
0: I, I noticed in that one you talk a little bit about how Um, It was a Weinstein Mm -hmm. Company movie, and Harvey Weinstein, as he famously did, was like, all right, cut 25 minutes out of this, and I'll put it in, like, Mm -hmm. thousands of screens. And Bong refused, and so it was like, okay, you get put out on radius on far, far fewer screens. Um, is, Is that his only like real butting heads with, with like producers or, or, uh, studio executives as far as you know, certainly
1: like he sort of talked about this, like where several of his movies, he said that producers were like, you can't end the movie like this. Like it needs to end differently. Um, for instance, like memories of murder, which is about like a serial murder case, uh, ends with the detectives not figuring out who did it in part because the actual case that it was based on was open until like parasites press tour, which is such a strange confluence, confluence of events. Um, but he has always stuck to his guns up to that point or like, and to that point. Um, and never, I don't think had to really defend his vision to that extent before certainly. Yeah.
0: Were you thinking about this book initially or was, was the book proposed to you?
1: The book was proposed to me. I think, Prior to that point, I had sort of been like, "Oh, it like might be nice to write a book, but I need I would need to write a proposal, and I don't know like who I would send it to, like who would agree to publish a book that I wrote." <laughs> um, kind of classic self-deprecating stuff, but um, mm. it seemed like the folks at Little White Lies uh, were thinking about Bong as someone that they wanted to tackle for one of their next books, in part because. I got reached out to not too long after Parasite's Oscar win. I would say it was like maybe half a year after that or something like that. Um, mm. And they, I luckily already sort of knew David Jenkins, who is the editor who reached out to me and who I worked on the most for this book. Uh, and he was very aware of uh, Bong Hive, as you mentioned. Um, and so he <laughs> reached out to me asking if I wanted to do this. And obviously my answer was yes, because this is such it's very rare that someone asks you to write a book as opposed to the other way around. It's a huge opportunity. And also I love the books that Abrams and little white lies do. And the opportunity to write one on my favorite director seemed huge. Like it was a dream come true really.
0: So, so I was listening to some other uh, podcasts you've done about this Mm -hmm. and you were talking about the title dissident cinema yeah, and how, how you've, you'd like it now but maybe it wasn't the, because of the, because of how it seems so politically like dissident cinema that it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. what you wanted to to call the book um yeah. what were some other thoughts you had
1: Um, One that I was really pushing for was virtuoso, uh, which ended up being nixed by uh, one of the graphic design team because he he mentioned that it's a word that sometimes has more negative connotations. Um, But I definitely was hoping for something kind of a a title that was a little more broad like just thinking about the other titles for the books that Abrams had published uh, for instance the Paul Thomas Anderson book is called Masterworks like I thought that this book also deserved something kind of in that vein especially because it was the first book in the series that was going to be published that was not about a a white person (laughs) basically I was like I don't want this to be the first one that's not about a white director and have it be the only title that isn't kind of more grand in that respect um yeah. that said to go
0: from masterworks to exactly. dissident cinema is, yeah. yeah
1: um that said I've definitely come around on the title uh, granted I think sometimes it does need like a little bit of explaining um but dissident cinema it, for now it or but dissident cinema like I, now I take it to mean like in part like he is literally a political dissident like he took part in a lot of protests when he was a student and is kind of known to be a little bit anti-authoritarian And at the same time, he's sort of a distant within cinema as well. Like he keeps bucking genre convention and doing things like having these open endings and doing things that you normally wouldn't in movies, mixing tone, introducing your monster in the first like 10 minutes as opposed to hiding it. Like everything that he does is a little bit unpredictable. And to that end, he's I feel like he's a distant in art as well. So that's what that title um, is meant to mean.
0: Yeah. And I I think that that is, I think that's very clear in the book. And I think that, that it's one of those things that if it is like, a what is, what does this mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like as you unpack it, it's like, okay. So it's not, it's not just a sort of shallow meaning of dissident. Like Mm -hmm. there's, um, yeah, I, I think it is a, a pretty strong title. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, when
0: you, when, when you knew you were going to write the book, did you, think about trying to reach out to Bong for an interview? Or were you just like, that's not even going to be something I consider
1: <laughs> or... We thought about it. Um, but in part, it was because none of the other books had done that. Like we've, we have, we collaborated with Bong's team. Like we worked with uh, the great producer Duho Choi, who is basically Bong's right-hand man at this point, And he helped us out a mm-hmm. lot in terms of securing not only the interviews that are in the book, but a bunch of the assets as well. Um, but... This process was sort of similar, as far as I understand, to the other Little White Lies in Abrams' book, where we would have some kind of contact with the director, where they would help with the project in some way, but wouldn't be directly involved with it.
0: I was going to say, like, like um, I really I really enjoyed the the interviews in the end, just because mm-hmm. there was so many little moments that were just, like, sort of shocking. Like, when the <laughs> film editor talks about the first time he meets Bong they're they served crab yeah. <laughs> and he's allergic and just continues to eat yeah. it because he doesn't want to be impolite like <laughs> i know it's just like my throat is closing and i'm still just like uh, pretend- <laughs> yeah but fortunately he got the job too yeah
1: i mean it's 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 shocking to an extent but it's also like i feel like any particularly like any korean who reads that anecdote would be like yeah i totally understand <laughs> that like because um the like etiquette kind of demands it
0: there, you, there's a really great anecdote where the sound editor is talking about combining um, like a piece of score with a piece of soundtrack, like music, like a, mm-hmm. like a recorded song. Um, that was such an interesting thing because that that's that's definitely like getting into the, like the nature of collaboration where it's just like yeah, like it's not just like put the two songs together. Like you've got to sort of like. Um, because as you as you say, uh, he, uh, Bong has the nickname uh, Bongtail yeah, for yeah. being very detailed, <laughs> but it but it's not sort of like a tyrannical thing. But it's just like in in that moment, you're just like, yeah, I need the I need the songs to play together in a way that um, you know creates creates the correct emotional response you No,
1: know, it's a funny story like because it sort of ends with the senator like ralph T- cheta he says like he kind of got so fed up at bong like not quite uh, uh, accepting what he was giving him it was like oh like you do it like you have you do it then yeah like, you get a shot and see how you do and bong sort of just kind of laughing at that instead of also getting mad or frustrated just be like oh come on like you could do it like you know you can do it That's fine um, and it's such a sweet story, and it seems to be the case multiple times. Like, I was talking to my mother recently, who watched a recent interview with Kim Hija, the lead actress in Mother, and apparently there was a sort of similar situation where he wasn't quite getting the take that sh- he wanted, and she got a little frustrated and was like, you show me that, and, he, and he, he, I think she described him as a man who's, like, incapable of yelling, basically, and just still being mm-hmm. very jolly about it. He'd be like, no, 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 like, I'm sure you can get it. Um, so I don't know, like every single anecdote that I hear about him just makes him seem wonderful.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and definitely the, like his collaborators, uh, that you do speak with in the book, mm-hmm. uh, seem to, to echo that as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess on the flip side of my other question, was there any chapter that was daunting for any reason? Whether it's just like, oh, how am I going to like really do the definitive chapter on Parasite or something Mm -hmm. like, was there anything that was daunting to approach any of the films?
1: I think Parasite was probably the one, like just because it is the most well-known of his films at this point where I wanted to make sure that everything cohered and really stood together. And to some extent I wanted to make sure that there would be some new stuff in there or stuff that hadn't been said already. Like just because when a movie gets that big, the conversation around it becomes kind of endless like there's a lot of material written around it so you want to make sure that when you're writing about it you're doing something that's a little bit different or offers a new insight into uh, what you're writing about and I I mean I don't know if I succeeded I hope I did but (laughs) that's for other people to say
0: yeah no I I I think I think it's a very good read and I I think that you do uh, shine a light on each of these films even even if you've seen them um, mm-hmm. Oh, thank that, you very uh, much. That's pretty, yeah, that's, that's pretty special. So one of the things uh, about the book is that it's, uh, it's essentially like a coffee table book. It's a, yeah. it's a larger book full of photographs. Did, did you have any say in which uh, photographs were snagged for the, for the book?
1: Um, A little bit later, so a lot of it is uh, screen caps from the movies Um, and the way that I went is I would submit my text and for the first round the design team would basically just take their own crack at it, Um, which is mostly informed by what I was writing. For instance, like if a certain scene is mentioned on a page then the natural progression is to try to get images from that scene like onto the page um it was only like as we were kind of nearing the final more final stages of the book where there was a spread for the entire book where we sort of looked through and said like oh like the parasite chapter like we're actually missing any images of pak sodam so we want to get her in there somehow and like figuring out where to put that image and sort of seeing like can we get this in higher definition for the bigger spreads and if we can't like what else can we use Mm -hmm. that would be good for it um and i remember like one of the things that i really wanted like was uh for the parasite spread i really wanted the uh image of the basement stairs with um the eyes like looking up from it Mm -hmm. if you've seen the movie you know Mm -hmm. what i'm talking about but we couldn't get it in high enough definition to print so that's why like the image there is the one that it is because that was kind of like this this is our second choice for this. Um, so it was more towards the end of the process that we got a little more nitpicky about what images were going where. But luckily, the design team at Little White Lies is so, so incredible. Um, so I, I didn't have too much to say at the end.
0: <laughs> I'm looking right now at uh, barking dogs never bite. And um, there's an image here of, uh, it looks like a, a pot over uh, fire. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then there's text on it, and then underneath it says, friends, not food. <laughs> um, as as sort of like, maybe that's the theme of park, barking dogs, never bite, is friends, not food. Um, yeah, it was sort don't, of... Don't cook, don't cook the dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Like, each of those images, it was sort of like... Because each of the books that uh, Little White Lies and Abrams have done, like, they've done work not just to pick images from the movies for the chapters, but with illustrators as well to have this kind of special kind of custom component for each of the books. And in this case, we knew, number one, that we wanted to work with Korean artists for the spread. So it's a couple of different illustrators who did the chapter title spreads and then the uh, final Mm -hmm. illustrations. Uh, who did really, really remarkable work. And in the case of the illustrations that you're talking about, that end each chapter, the idea was like sort of trying to do something that was a little more experimental or was a little closer to protest art, just keep in theme with the idea of dissident cinema and also Bong's uh, history as a protester and sort of putting in these slogans, like kind of basically made up slogans, but ones that were thematically appropriate for the movie that they were accompanying.
0: Okay. That makes Cause, cause it, yeah, it, it has a very sort of like, yeah, protest or propaganda mm-hmm. flavor. But then I was like, wait, was this, was this a, a promo slogan I, I had missed or something like that? But, but it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a special, it's a special for the book. That's yes, great. Exactly. Are you, are there any plans? Cause, cause uh, uh, Bong is working on another film now. Mm-hmm. Are there any plans when that comes out to, to do an expanded edition of the book or does it, does it stand?
1: I would definitely love to do more. um, But I would say that the precedent has kind of been not to do that. I think Abrams and Little White Lies also collaborated on the Wes Anderson books that Matt Zara Seitz did. Mm. I remember he put out a solo book for Grand Budapest Hotel when that came out because it wasn't, it had the main book had come out prior to that. Um, But otherwise, Mm. I don't think that that has been the case for the monographs that they've done. Um, But I mean, I'll definitely ask my editor (laughs) because it would be a joy to do that.
0: Yeah, because there is, you, you talk about it too in the outro, that like it feels like this is such a sort of high point, and mm-hmm. and you're tempted to sort of be like, and this is the peak, but <laughs> there's still there's still hopefully like decades and decades of more uh, bong f- films to come. Yeah. And to sort of be able to continue to track the trajectory um, would be very exciting.
1: Yeah, the line on the chart will only keep going up, I think.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for, for talking with us today.
1: Oh my gosh, no, thank you for having me on the podcast. It was a delight.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Skylight Books Podcast series. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to check out the book featured in this episode or others, please visit skylightbooks.com. If you're in the Los Angeles area, stop by for one of our live in-person author events you can find a calendar on our website. If you like this podcast, leave us a review. It really helps us out. Our music is by Duck the Piano Wire. Till next
1: time.